Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals, just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy. And over the last few weeks, we've seen a lot of social change, a lot of calls for social justice. Our last couple of episodes have really dug into some of the things that we find important within the work that we do here at the Modern Therapist Survival Guide with our Therapy Reimagined Conference. And continuing some of that conversation, but also looking out into the future as far as the kinds and the types of work that we do, we're focusing this episode on mission-driven work. And this is something that's a little bit more timeless than necessarily following everything that's going on in the news cycle right now, but it's particularly because of everything that's going on in the news cycle right now that we feel that this is also still relevant. And I know for a lot of the ideas around businesses, any business has a a mission, or at least they should. And we teach people, we've talked in past episodes about going onto an agency's website, looking at what their mission is, talking about it in the interview. How many businesses really follow through on their missions? (laughs) I laugh because I think there are a lot of companies that do not follow their mission, but I do think that especially small ones, they do. When companies actually, and you don't necessarily have to write it out and make it beautiful like a lot of companies do, but if people don't actually put together a mission that specifically is from their heart, is from their values, it's from their morals. Like if you don't actually put together a mission that really speaks to why you're doing what you do, I think it's really hard to incorporate it. If it's like, well, we're going to provide this, that, and the other thing. Okay, well, that doesn't really give you much. But if you really are, are looking at something that's deeply personal and deeply important, you're more likely to incorporate it. But I think the the next step is actually being able to practically apply it within your business. I think a lot of folks will say, I want to do this. And they're so focused on it. But then they haven't actually put it into their day-to-day practices. And as we know, and we've talked about this in tons of different episodes, like if you don't actually incorporate a system to do the things that you're wanting to do, they often get, they fall by the wayside. So when you say how many businesses are, are actually following their mission, I think that maybe half, I, I don't know, I'm making stuff up, but, but what is your thought on that? <laughs> I think that this is something where when 
companies come out with a mission, a lot of times, or and especially small businesses, you know, if you have a practice and you're sitting down and thinking of writing your website and your coach or your consultant or your web programmers, like, all right, you got to come up with a mission. And then you just sit there and you freeze for several days while you're trying to be like, well, what is my mission? And then you kind of look <laughs> at a bunch of other therapist websites and you're like, I want to do therapy for people and make them feel good. Like, that's, yeah. it's really being able to get to the core of the why. And yes. and this is that personal aspect that you're talking about, of being able to get into the why. And then, as we are big fans of turning it into action, not just mm -hmm. saying it, because depending on where you're at in your career, your why may get distracted to the place that pays you rather than the core of why you're doing it. You may be you know, distracted between balancing out the job or the agency that you have while you start to develop your practice on the side, or you end up finding yourself working in an agency that doesn't necessarily meet your mission and values because it's one where you get your hours or it's one where you mm -hmm. get your bills paid or whatever other personal benefit that it is. And it's not necessarily a bad reason to get paid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Getting paid is important. We're not telling you not to get paid. <laughs> right. But it's when you're not able to create the space and the attention to developing your mission that leaves you susceptible to whatever the zeitgeist might be. It might be I'm, you know, developing this little practice and I'm chasing the the newest, you know, get quick fix theory that's out there to fix all of the clients. But it, you know, whatever quick fix it is, like if you are going to be committed to doing something and following through on it, that's adding something into your mission or that's potentially a, a part of your mission It's being able to see through the vision of how that all fits together. But it's when you chase every little new distraction and get off of what your mission is in order to go and do whatever's in the zeitgeist that you're not being true to yourself. You're not being true to necessarily your client or your customer base. And it, leaves you the potential to just burn out because you're never coming back to a core place of where you're coming from. And I, I want to talk to two things because I think the zeitgeist piece is very important. I also just want to comment on the ways in which people are trained to market. Oftentimes a, the branding and the, the way that you're supposed to write your website, and we've even talked about this, it's like 80% about your client and that you should be talking about them. And I think the mission is not that. The mission is deeply personal and it's about you. And so it, if you're conscious, consciously saying like, hey, I'm serving this client and this is what they're doing, that's not a mission, that's branding. That's not a mission, that's services. Your mission is about what you're wanting to put out in the world. And that's why we ask the question when we when we have our, our in, people that come in for interviewing is, what is it that's their why? Why are they doing what they do? What are they wanting to put out into the world that is about you? And that, that may be why it's hard for therapists to write these things up, but it is about you. And I think we can be impacted by what's happening. For example, with the, the current spotlight on racial inequality and, and 
all that that's happening, there are therapists who are wanting to add services or speak into something. And I think that there are some where it's fully aligned and it's somewhere it's, well, I think I should do something because everybody's talking about this. Or and even worse on this is all of a sudden, everybody who's coming out as an expert on being anti-racist mm-hmm. because they've read a couple of books over the last couple of weeks. And we saw this a couple of months ago when everybody was an expert on how to do telehealth and had courses out to market in response to COVID. <laughs> and they were and they were also very expert on COVID, right? Right. <laughs> no one was an expert on COVID. So to point this out is that this is a following of the zeitgeist. This is not necessarily mm-hmm. mission-driven work. Now, let, let's call a spade a spade here. Katie and I have talked about COVID and we've talked about telehealth and we've talked about (laughs) anti-racist stuff over the last couple of weeks. And I don't think in any of those situations have we put ourselves out as experts that a lot of where we come from is to highlight the work of others doing it. And this isn't to say that we're up on some high horse and we're, you know, the models. We don't want any cookies. Following every, uh, you know, do it exactly our way, but that, for those of you who are connected to a lot of other therapists, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When yep. you see all of these courses coming out from people like this is coming out of nowhere, like that, <laughs> that is not mission driven work. And, or it may not be, I think we, we, let's give some folks the benefit of the doubt that this was a skill set that they they're, they're going into this, this fresh blue ocean and they're addressing the time of the day um, or the the issue of the day, and and it is truly an expertise. So I don't want to bash everyone that that came <laughs> out and started t- providing resources because that is that is responsive, but it needs to be aligned with your overarching mission, which can shift obviously, but but usually it doesn't shift dramatically unless you've had a big life experience that has awakened you to something new. And so this comes down to what exactly is a mission you know katie talks about it's personal well there's a lot of things that can be personal that just don't have a place within the therapy world this is you know if it is a life-changing experience for you it's something where you're all the way through that life change or you've got some sort of expertise on it you're not just kind of like in the midst of something and shifting your focus but to turn this into a constructive I guess, guide on developing your mission is really explaining why the work that you're doing is there and then how you demonstrate it. And it's getting not only from just kind of this, you know, ideological sort of approach, but also that action-oriented approach. You know, if your mission is, as you know, I'm seeing plenty of black therapists coming out right now with, you know, my mission is to do anti-racist work and lots of other therapists coming from all sorts of other diverse backgrounds who are really pushing a wonderful conversation around anti-racist work that they feel that they have been primed to lead this conversation and many of them very wonderfully have they're putting that into action right now and the timing on it is absolutely correct because they are laying out exactly here are the steps to follow 
Here are the experiences that have led to this. Here are the other voices that are a part of this that we should be listening to that very much falls within an anti-racist mission. Now, that's just what's going on right now. We've seen this before with other marginalized communities. LGBTQ plus community has been doing this for decades. Not so a lot of the minority communities. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But... What I mean by this is that it's getting strategic in how you do the work that comes from this place of passion. It's not just kind of speaking out there out of public pressure to, you know, do something finally. You know, NASCAR announced yesterday that they're no longer welcoming Confederate flags. Like, (laughs) that's not necessarily (laughs) mission-driven work. And those things need to happen, too. They do need to happen. <laughs> but I think for therapists who are looking to try to really dig into where do they fit in what's happening, because we don't want anti-racism and what's what's happening now to, to lose traction when it falls out of the news cycle, because I know we're going into a an election news cycle. I'm sure that there's going to be some more COVID news cycle, but this is so critical that I'm hoping that there are a number of therapists who are adding diversity, inclusion, equity, anti-racism, you know, all of these things into their mission. I think the, the difficulty is if it has absolutely nothing to do with what you've done before, but you do really want to add this in, you need to think about it before taking action. So I'm going to push back a little bit on the immediate action, Kurt, because I think there's there's a lot of spaghetti being thrown at the wall. One of the things that I'm doing during this time is really trying to listen to voices and identify ways that I can continue to incorporate things into my business. And Rachel Rogers had a town hall with Hello7, and it's we'll link to this in the show notes. And one of the experts she brought on, Erica Hines, who's a diversity, equity, and inclusion expert, consultant with Every Level Leadership, talked about this idea of liberatory consciousness, this model that should inform how we move forward in trying to incorporate, in this case, anti-racist models, anti-racist ideals into our businesses. And so in this conversation, she was talking about the four steps. And and this, this model comes from Barbara J. Love. And so we'll link to her website in the show notes. And, and I'm just beginning to touch the surface on it. So I'm just going to talk about the, the overarching concept here. But But there's, between awareness and action, there's a lot of work that needs to happen. We can't just become aware of a problem and then try to act. It's it's kind of this discomfort of, I want something to change. This feels bad. So let me just do something to make it go away. And so we really want to make sure that we're we're analyzing the situation in between. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, you know, this is where... I think, you know, to pull both from the the current news cycle and also kind of from the theoretical end is one of the great things that I'm seeing out of the Black Lives Matter protests and a lot of the leading voices of it is this advice around sit with your uncomfortability. You know, mm-hmm. so especially speaking to white people in America of, you know, sit with your uncomfortability because this speaks to that. Don't just react out of it. Don't try to get out of your uncomfortable space. 
And I think that this is where we have a future episode coming up with Teresa Capello's talking about reactionism in politics and all of this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So, you know, previewing out, you know, a month or so on, on that, but <laughs> also at its worst is acting without this thinking, acting for action's sake yeah. is a pathway to fascism. You know, what do you mean, is, Kurt? A pathway to fascism? <laughs> well, uh, there's a wonderful essay from the 1990s by Umberto Eco. On, it's called Ur-Fascism. And, you know, just in case you haven't noticed, we're going to steer the next several months a little bit towards political conversations, too. But when there's action without thinking, it really undermines any opportunity for disagreement Mm -hmm. and the best way of really not getting sucked into every argument or or everything else is to create this this very sound and intentional pathway for yourself so that way you aren't put into this place where you're constantly on your heels and constantly reacting to things yeah now i'm not going to say that you know if you don't think you're going to turn into a fascist but (laughs) Stirring this back to you and your practice or you and your career path is you need to kind of be able to prepare yourself for the things that we appreciate in science and the things that we appreciate Mm -hmm. in greater debate, which is facing criticism and facing why the pathway that you're on is the potential answer the potential action steps towards righting a wrong. But it's when you are put into this place where you're constantly bouncing around and you're not around a central point of motion towards a journey. Because I don't think missions are a place where there's a finality. It's a it's a movement in a direction that when we get to that place of action that it's a continuous work. And that's what makes it a mission rather than a goal is once, once we have this going, we're going to keep it going. It's not just like, okay, this is going to end. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate upfront. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryzer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryzer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. I don't know. I mean, for me, I think the there can be semantics around goals and stuff like that. But I think the mission, I think it's not just a goal. I think calling a mission a goal is simplifying it to the point where it becomes irrelevant and doesn't support 
all of the elements of what a mission can do. And so when I think about a mission, it's, it is the goal. It's like, what do you want to actually accomplish? So that's the goal element of it. It can also be, how do you want to work? Who do you want to work with? How do you want to work? What are the, the driving principles or the guiding principles of how you work? I think a mission is so much larger than a goal. So I, I guess I'm, I'm saying yes and. It's not just a goal. It's the way that you structure even your decision-making process. Like, does this fit with the mission? Does it not fit with the mission? Does this person align with the mission? Do they not align with the mission? Is there going to be some sort of a, a misalignment or a misattunement if I do something that doesn't fit the larger mission? And I think it can be very hard because oftentimes missions, especially for heart-centered or giving professionals, can be, I want to help people feel better. I want to do good things. And so then it can feel like everything aligns with the mission. And you can't get that. That doesn't help with guiding how you make decisions. I think mm -hmm. being able to make a mission that's very specific, it can be multifaceted. It can be big. And sometimes the bigger, the better, depending on the, the resources and that kind of stuff. But if you have a specific mission, what you do in this time of racial inequality or global economic crisis or just general civil unrest becomes way clearer if you know where you fit. Right. For those of you who are taking action now and potentially revisiting your mission, revisiting, maybe even adding into your mission, yeah, these are possibilities too. It's not like you get stuck on, you know, something and then you have to spend the rest of your life doing it in that exact same way. Like a, a good mission is flexible enough to be able to incorporate different aspects as your life comes up, as different things affect you, as Katie mentioned earlier in the episode. But it's being able to still act within those core principles that you come up that in order to thrive with a mission, you need to be able to strive with the steps that you lay out for yourself. And, you know, again, we'll come back to the wonderful anti-racist work that a lot of people are doing right now. And knowing that there are people who take really good steps and are looking at this as long-term sort of social structural changes of being able to look not only at the interactions between you know police officers and people from black communities and other minority communities but also the after effects of what defunding police might mean as far as healing that mm -hmm. is a ultimate strive for this kind of mission work right now to eventually get to a place of thrive of being able to then grow and prosper within that. And I think that this is where if that wasn't a part of your mission before, you know, as long as you're not, you know, being outright racist on it, but if that wasn't part of your mission before, you can adopt that as aspects of the work that you're doing, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the core central focus of what you're doing. If your focus is 
improving the lives of people with a particular disability. You, know, you can incorporate aspects of anti-racism without giving up your your mission of yeah. the work that you've set out to do. Well, and I think if you give up your own mission, and I think you've kind of spoken to this, but I think if you give up your mission or you add something because of a what if you're feeling a societal pressure or you're feeling a personal discomfort, it's not going to be effective. Like it's it's not going to necessarily it's it's like adding it's it's adding something that doesn't quite fit. It's it's adding a puzzle piece from a different puzzle. And so I think it's something where being able to really look at what resources do you have? What skills and talents do you have? What are the things that you're already doing? And even if it's not my main mission is anti-racism, but I am going to create an anti-racist business or I'm going to make sure that my agency is is supporting all people and and is working from anti-racist pr- principles that doesn't need to be the outward facing product services whatever it can be inward it can be in hiring practices it can be in training it can be in all of these you know it can be where you spend your money you know all of these things can go towards a larger mission but but you have to make that decision yourself and you have to understand what you can actually leverage toward your goal in your personal or professional life. Like it, it needs to be something where it actually fits and is not just something that is being added on top to make you feel better or to do a checkbox. And so, so the other piece that I wanted to add into this, because I'm, I'm seeing a lot of folks who are wanting to be anti-racist in every space that they're in. And I think that that is laudable. Well, it's also so you don't come across as opportunistic whether that's your intention or not, and being able to not pull yourself in a million different directions leads to, you know, public opinion about you as far as, okay, now you're chasing the, the new hot thing that ends up ma- making you just kind of bland and not a core central identity around what your reputation might be. And you may have good intentions of going and improving some aspect, but until when? Until the next you know, news cycle shifts. We talked about this in our episode last week with Dr. Travis Heath around you know, how do we keep movements like this going when the news is no longer reporting on it. And I've seen protest signs of, you know, are you still going to care when hashtag BLM is no longer trending? That really comes from a place of, you know, your mission helps to contribute when you can doing ally work, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, without inserting yourself into the middle of, of the people whose missions might fit better but also allowing you to stay true and consistent to why you entered into this profession and the kind of work that you are doing for yourself and for those around you. And to, to amplify a portion of that, I want to really, you know, kind of support this idea that you only do it within what is your purview, what's in your mission, what's in your things to do. Otherwise, you know, as we talked about in the ally episode, like yield the floor, 
you know, support people who are doing this work who are better situated or it is their mission. But another element that I want to point out is that some people are going full tilt. Some people are focusing on this to the exclusion of all else when this is not their mission necessarily. And they're doing things that are going to either burn them out because they're spending so much energy on it, or they're doing things that are completely ineffective. And I, I found in my, one of my social feeds, a post of a Twitter thread that I just think really spoke to what, what I was experiencing as potentially performative allyship, but also exhausting the, the resources, emotional, financial, you know, spiritual, whatever, the resources that can go towards sustaining something like the Black Lives Matter movement, as well as all of the anti-racist and racial equality work. So the author of the, the Twitter feed is also the author of So You Want to Talk About Race and, and Mediocre, The Dangerous Legacy of White Male America, Ijeoma Uluo. And what was talked about in this Twitter thread is really this idea that there are folks who are arguing with, for example, Trump supporters or their racist uncle, and that's the anti-racist work that they're doing. And really pointing out that this is not effective. It's not actually going to create real change to spend all of your energy and time arguing with people who will never agree with you. You're never going to change their mind. And so instead, it talks about being able to do the things that we were talking about in this episode, which is actually change systems and put things in place. But this is the part that I think really touched me. But white supremacy was not invented by Trump supporters. It is a vast and violent system that touches every part of our society and every person with power in these systems is complicit. If everybody turned against Trump today, white supremacy would not be diminished by it. That's not to say that we don't need to vote the effort out. We do, but he is able to do that, to do what he does because of the white supremacist system that has been in place since before the stolen land was called America. So in this vast and powerful system of white supremacy, who has power? First and foremost, wealthy cis white men. But down the ladder, we see lesser amount of power, but real power throughout of all, all of white America. And so it's talking about how those of us with privilege can functionally change the system by putting practices in place that are directly anti-racist, inviting the right people to the table, making sure that, that there's actual action that's being taken, not solely arguments on social media with people who are saying things wrong and who are doing things wrong. And so I don't want us to get distracted. I don't want us to get so emotional during this time that we lose our momentum on our bigger missions. And certainly I want us to incorporate anti-racism into our missions. This is this is an alignment, but I think it needs to be deeper, more strategic work than offering a, a, a opportune service or having an argument on, on social media. Another thing that we'll include in the show notes is going around on a lot of the social media right now is the racism scale developed by Kristen Demnowitz. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. And so what I'm hearing 
out of what Katie's talking about here is don't start on the far end and try and get people to move from one end of the scale to the other. Mm-hmm. And start with the moderates. Start with the people who are more open to change. The more the ones who have the power to then bring more with them. You know, we talked about this in our episode with Stephen Lewis. Martin Luther King talked about this in his letter from Birmingham Jail. Like, this is, you know, not only not new, it's not even new today. That the justice that can be performed, the action that can make movement, is not necessarily the one that has the most difficult aspect. And as therapists, we know that just directly arguing with somebody can further entrench them in their beliefs than creating the space for people to be open and invited to change. And I want to add one more piece from this tweet because it just is speaking directly to your point. The idea that if we can just change that one racist heart and mind, we could change the world is an idea steeped in white supremacy. I'm not here to build a kinder, better white person. Kind of coming back to the work that we're doing here with Modern Therapist Survival Guide, Therapy Reimagined, is I want to reassert the mission that we're working on. And we've talked before about how we kind of stumbled into an idea that we didn't necessarily start out with a exactly laid out mission. We talked about this in our live podcast from the Therapy Reimagined 2019 conference. Of It feels like we're almost there as far as having our mission. But recommitting to the mission that we do is creating space for underrepresented voices here on the podcast, at our conference, changing the landscape of what therapy conferences look like. And we see a lot of you posting about other conferences that don't represent that diversity. And we're really glad to see that nobody's accusing us of not having diverse voices represented. Also in our mission is around doing good quality clinical work. It's around making sure that therapists get paid for the work that they do. It's around having good business practices for therapists and it's around self-care and not only the prevention of burnout, but the eventual elimination of it if we get ourselves into a really good place. When we came up with all of this, and like Kurt said, this is still in process, it's still evolving. I think it's, some of it feels like it doesn't have words. But when we look at it, when we really look at what we're trying to do, the two of us, is to amplify voices that are not being amplified elsewhere and creating a, a community of therapists who can support each other that, that are not steeped in antiquated, ineffective ideas. And I think really and truly finding a way for us to make therapy a viable, sustainable, vibrant, thriving practice that can help support the changes in the world that need to happen. And that requires business acumen and it requires diversity and inclusion because we can't do this in a white bubble. Nothing can be done in a white bubble if we really want to do it well. And so I think there's so much intersection in 
in all of the different pieces of our mission. So we're going to continue to evolve in our mission. And while we hope that the conversations around amplifying voices continue, and we will do our part here for a number of different underrepresented communities, we are very much a mission-driven team. And we're hoping to continue to grow that. And we're talking behind the scenes of how we can continue to expand and continue to not only invite those voices to be amplified, but also looking at our long-term action plans of incorporating more of that with our team. And stay tuned for however that shakes out. Yeah. And we appreciate the support that all of you have in continuing to listen to us and our guests week in and week out and continuing to support us through the Therapy Reimagined Conference. And that's going to be coming up here in September. We are going entirely virtual. We know that you have a lot of options when it comes to who you support with your continuing education. And we hope that you share in our mission and look at it as a way for being able to continue on a lot of the mission-driven work that we do. You can find out more about the conference at therapyreimaginedconference.com. It's been brand newly updated here in the last couple of weeks. You can check out all of the latest updates on the conference over there. We also have a lot of things that we'll put in the show notes. You can find those at mtsgpodcast.com. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months.